Welcome to the Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we look at Song of Solomon, Chapter 6. A little bit more interplay changing back and forth between speakers in this chapter than we've had in the last few. Where has your beloved gone, O most beautiful among women? Where has your beloved turned that we may seek him with you? My beloved has gone down to his garden, to the beds of spices, to graze in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He grazes among the lilies. You are beautiful as tears, O my love, lovely as Jerusalem, awesome as an army with banners. Turn away your eyes from me, for they overwhelm me. Your hair is like a flock of goats leaping down the slopes of Gilead. Your teeth are like a flock of ewes that have come up from the washing. All of them bear twins, not one among them has lost its young. Your cheeks are like halves of a pomegranate behind your veil. There are sixty queens and eighty concubines, and virgins without number. My dove, my perfect one, is the only one, the only one of her mother, pure to her who bore her. The young women saw her and called her blessed, the queens and concubines also, and they praised her. Who is this who looks down like the dawn, beautiful as the moon, bright as the sun, awesome as an army with banners? I went down to the nut orchard to look at the blossoms of the valley, to see whether the vines had budded, whether the pomegranates were in bloom. Before I was aware, my desire set me among the chariots of my kinsman, a prince. Return, return, O Shulamite, return, return, that we may look upon you. Why should you look upon the Shulamite as upon a dance before two armies? This is the word of the Lord. So the, the others, this crowd, has a different attitude than they had in the last chapter. Whereas they were more taunting of her, here they're willing to look to her. Here they're willing to join with her. Um, we see that in the first verse. They want to seek out this king with her. Um, so her witness that she bore earlier worked. She bore witness to her beloved and the people listened. And now they want to follow as well. They want to see this king good stuff as the world hears and and many in the world will hear the word of God and they will want to see Jesus as well. She responds just like she did in chapter five when they asked her a question. She answers the question. What, where has he gone? He's gone to, to his garden. The Lord has work to do. The King has work to do. Christ reigns over his creation. Even now he's caring for his creation at this time. Uh, the end of verse 2, that he's gathering lilies. Uh, it speaks to us of the harvest. As Jesus talks about the harvest, not not the literal crops that are out in your field right now, perhaps, but speaking of the harvest as in us. God has work to do. He is pouring out his spirit. He is creating and nurturing and sustaining faith in us, and it is time for the harvest. He's gathering his people to himself. A wonderful reference right here. Verse 3 uh, as a repeat of chapter 2, verse 16, I am my beloved, and my beloved is mine. The same, not the exact same wording, but similar wording was back in chapter 2. The husband speaks in verse 4 uh, through 10, and the words that he speaks early on are very similar to what he said before. Uh, so specifically there you've got verses 5 through 7 that are a repeat of what we saw back in chapter 4. 
those compliments that he was speaking of his bride. Now, they're not all the same. He replaces the last couple of compliments and goes in a different direction. We'll get to that in a moment. First, he calls her as beautiful as Tirzah, as lovely as Jerusalem. Both of those had served as capital cities of God's people. So as you think of Solomon as the head of God's people, the earthly king, these are earthly capital cities, the dwelling place of a king. It's a big deal. It's quite a compliment that he's giving to her here. Jerusalem was the long-term capital. Uh, Tirzah had served as the capital for a brief period of time. Now, as we look then beyond the early compliments, in verse 8, it shifts a little bit, that all these others, all these other women, all these other, uh, we would call them perhaps even the others that are scattered throughout the book, that they would look to the bride. Um, so as they the bride is this example being lifted up for the rest of follow. The king extols her faithfulness. And so we see this is what Jesus says of us. He calls us his perfect one. He, he lifts us up, calls us a city on a hill, light of the world, salt of the earth, that others would look to us, that they might finally through us see him. Um, that's going on here. Now you could... I haven't done a lot of research to see, but it wouldn't surprise me if the Roman Catholic Church makes a big deal in this letter about Mary. Some of this is definitely sounding like Mary, especially verses 9 and 10 here, um, in terms of the conversations that Roman Catholic theology has. But even non-Catholics would recognize that, the, that she is called blessed. That certainly reminds us of Mary in the New Testament uh, when the angel speaks to her. Now, the imagery, though, in verse 10, is of ruling with her husband. And this is what we as the bride of Christ get to do. In paradise, we get to rule together with him. We get to care for his creation. The wife speaks in 11. Um, she's doing the work. She's caring for the garden as she's been given to do. And this then is the conversation in our households about this verse, this section. What has God given you to do? This is the opportunity to talk about your vocations of husband, wife, father, mother, son, daughter, brother, sister, um, friend, neighbor, student, classmate. Um, you know, you think of any relationship that you have, just in brief here to, to talk about vocation, those are your vocations. Whatever it is that you have, those are the people God has entrusted into you, into your care, that you would love them and that you would share Christ with them. So serve those people. Love those people. Um, in time, those vocations do change, and we continue to serve and love however that we can. And so here in verses 11 and 12, she's doing the vocations that her husband, her groom, has given her to do. And without realizing it, suddenly in verse 12, her husband's calling her home. He's beckoning her. He's summoning her. We as the church, as God's people, we do what the Lord has given us to do. We, we live out our vocations. And, and someday, indeed, the Lord either comes for us or if, if it's death that meets us first because Christ is yet to return, um, then the Lord summons us home in that way. And so similarities definitely here for that. Verse 13, um, the 
the world is oddly here now looking and fixating its attention on the queen rather than on the king. And the king notes that in, in his response at, at the end of the chapter. But um, there have been times in the history of the church where this has been true, where the whole world has been eyes on the church. Um, it's usually today a negative thing when that happens in our current culture. But it's the way we were designed to be, again, as we think of, of God's call to us in the, in the New Testament as, as the city on the hill, as salt and light to the world. Um, this is our calling, that the world would look to us. But then God is going to call us through that. He's going to call the world through that to himself. So... The world is looking at the bride, and God is going to use that to draw the gaze of the world away from the church into himself uh, so that they can see him a dance before two armies. Uh, the battlefield is set as angels and demons square off and fight. Um, really, it's kind of a strange end of the chapter as we think of where the number breaks and chapter breaks happen. Because um, the next section, the husband is going to extol the beauty of his bride again. So we'll see that tomorrow. Um, but the Lord be with you today.